0: We're going to read from Matthew 6, 1 to 18. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pay- pagans, for they will think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Then this is how you should pray Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts, debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So that is, that is not obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you.
1: It's, um, it really is great to be with you again. Uh, it's a few months since I was last out here, so nice to, nice to meet familiar faces and some I, I haven't met yet. Uh, always uh, when you hear a great kid's talk you sort of think now uh, what's the point in preaching almost, it was just so clear and actually this, the point that's being made in this passage is incredibly simple. Uh, the complex bit is us, uh, that is learning it, understanding it, sort of uh, working out how it is that uh, this issue of hypocrisy uh, creeps in yeah, with subtlety, so I'm going to pray that God, in His kindness, might do that to us. It's sort of a painful process when you, with the Word of God, confronts you, uh, but it's actually healthy for us. So let me pray that God might, in His kindness help us to, uh, to understand it. It'd be great to have the passage open in front of you, Matthew 6, if you haven't got it there. Not critical if you don't, hopefully it'll, it'll be fine. And there's an outline if you're someone who needs linear thought, thought waves to actually help you understand where we're going. Okay, let me pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you that you are a gracious God, merciful God, a God who speaks to us. And Father, we pray that as we hear what you say to us this morning, it will actually cut home to our hearts and our minds that we'll uh, be struck again by uh, the, the conviction that serving you and having you at the center of the universe is exactly uh, what we've been made for. So, Father, graciously go before us and stir our hearts and minds, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we, we actually read these really chilling words that Jesus says, right, beyond the passage we're looking at this morning. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and following. Jesus says... Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And and I suspect you could easily add a whole stack of other things. These are just examples. You know, did we not lead Bible studies in your name? Did we not uh, serve coffee at the coffee truck before church in your name and afterwards? Did we not? Uh, you know, any number of things. Serving kids club, playing music, you know, you name it. Uh, any number of things I think could fit in this. And then Jesus says, Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, How could this possibly be? That those who are doers of good, and that's what we're talking about, doing good, could be regarded by God as evil doers. Doers of good regarded as evil doers. In the previous chapter to that that, uh, chapter I've just read from, the one we just heard, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us insight into what will cause him to come to this judgment, uh, what will cause him to make this assessment of us. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus lifts the veil on the danger of hypocrisy, uh, pretending to be something you're not, being two-faced. Now, I take it in Australia, uh, hypocrisy is one of the greatest insults you can offer to anyone, to call them a hypocrite. Uh, I assume that's why the Prime Minister has been calling the leader of the opposition a hypocrite for the last month, because he is insulting him in a major way in our culture. I won't get into that particular debate, but uh, you understand what I'm I'm talking about. The problem is introduced here in chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Now, I want you to note really clearly, though, that the point being made is that disciples, followers of Jesus, are meant to live righteous lives, right? That is the point that is being made here in the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 5, Jesus calls these disciples to one side. You go to a place like chapter 5, verse 20, and Jesus says, "...unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law," the religious, religious guys, living people unless your your righteousness surpasses theirs then you certainly will not enter the kingdom of heaven and the rest of chapter 5 then illustrates what that looks like in practice you get to the end of chapter 5 verse 48 and jesus says be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect that's the way he concludes right it is very challenging and then we get the warning in chapter 6 verse 1 Do not do your acts of righteousness to be seen by others. But if we'd spent more time looking through the Sermon on the Mount, already you'd be going, whoa, how does this work? How's this even possible? Let me show you. Go back to chapter 5, verse 16. Notice there Jesus says, let your light shine before others. Right? Your righteousness should be visible to the whole world, and yet it should be invisible to everybody, right? Public, private, public, private. Okay, so we have two different ideas already here in the Sermon on the Mount that are coming together. But I want to say, isn't this the tension that everyone faces if they're a follower of Jesus? Uh, You want to be living for the praise of God and yet inevitably you're aware of the people around you as you do that. Yeah, we all know that sense. We are meant to be a city on a hill, a light of people. Righteousness should be able to be observed by others and yet don't let it be seen by others. That's the sort of tension that we face as we get into this passage. So Jesus explores how to live righteously with right motivations. Let's get into it. Okay, we see the, uh, the doing of righteous, act, righteous acts to impress others. Jesus lifts the lid by the three... Uh, examples that we've already heard from amanda verse 2 when you give to the needy do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street corners to be honored by others you know it's the drum roll when you put money in the bag or maybe more, more contemporary illustration is the You give electronically, great secret way to do it, but you make sure your surname's electronically attached to your donation. You know, just you know, there's that. And we know there are good reasons for doing that, to be able to trace it, blah, blah. It doesn't matter which way you go with it, there's always that risk, I think. Or prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing on the street corners to be seen by others. Prayer becomes the impact that I have on others around me when obviously it is very much uh, something you do with your heavenly father. It's not done for the sake of others. Fasting, verse 16. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. And again, not limited to these activities, preaching, you know, I, I'm not preaching privately at this point, you may have noticed that, you know. Uh, I'm aware that there are people here Right How are you feeling about the way i 'm going so far? you know like, it, it doesn 't matter what you 're talking about there 's always a risk with any sort of activity leading prayers out the front, leading music, all the rest of it okay they 're good activities, but when you do it to get the approval of others, this is what God thinks. This is what God thinks. Verse two they have received their reward in full verse five they have received their reward in full verse sixteen they have received their reward in full. If you crave the approval of your peers, the congregation, your pastor, then once you've got it, that's it. Done. We've, uh, we've completed the task. I have a friend who uh, was the head of a theological college uh, in another state in Australia. He was also Uh, a canon of the cathedral in that state just a title that Anglicans are given big shots in the cathedral sorry to that Uh, and um, he was in a group that were trying to raise money uh, to repair the roof of the cathedral or something like that and they're in this uh, meeting brainstorming ideas on how to raise money and uh, people in the group suggested what they should do is erect an honour board Uh, in the cathedral for those who are big donors as an incentive for them to be honored in perpetuity for their generosity and my friend who's very proper almost English man said well I would be very happy with that provided we put the text of Matthew chapter 6 verse 2 at the bottom and everyone thought wonderful idea scripture excellent you know (laughs) (laughs) except that uh, the end of matthew chapter 6 verse 2 you understand it says they have received their reward okay they have received their reward that is the point that jesus is making so how do you guard against hypocrisy right how do you what do you do about it? There's one thing that jesus talks about that you need to remember and there is one thing he says you ought to do one thing to remember one thing to do So the first thing is to remember that your father sees. Pick it up, verse 4. Your father sees. Verse 6, your father who sees. Verse 18, your father who sees. The father sees. The Pharisees and teachers of the law, religious people, they will look for the approval of those they can see rather than the approval of the one that they can't see but who sees them Do you understand that is what Jesus is saying but again isn't this the challenge uh, don't we grow up even from the earliest age looking for the approval of people around us yeah you want to please your parents or you get a bit older and you want to please your boss or you want to please your spouse and and some of that pleasing is actually totally appropriate. I thought it was good that my kids wanted to please me. I, mean, I thought that was a good thing, really. Uh, uh, they didn't do it as often as I would have liked, but when they did, I was happy. You know, like, It's actually very positive. And yet that's the sort of issue that Jesus is tapping into here. But he says when it comes to righteousness, that is doing things particularly for the honour of God's name and then prostituting that, by doing it to oppress others, it is destructive now and for eternity. That is the point that Jesus is making. So he says, remember, your father sees. Your father sees. And then there's the second thing. You do one thing to guard your motives. One thing you remember, one thing you do. Verse 4, give your arms in secret. Verse 6, pray to your father in secret verse 18 fast in secret keep it between you and god but i want to suggest to you that that's not completely straightforward you know, as i have thought it through i think this is actually tricky to achieve right verse three don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing when you're giving alms for the poor you notice he's not only he's taking it a step further it's not just about other people seeing you it's trying to keep it a secret from yourself don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing this is all about me how do i do that (laughs) you know uh, i just think that this is this is a difficulty um like i caught myself doing this a few years ago now in the city uh, like most of the churches in our network we're always running behind budget okay never have enough money to actually pay our bills sort of thing always playing catch-up now i was feeling a bit frustrated by this and i sat down and what i did was i worked out how much sue and i were giving i worked out how many you know households there were that gave money in the trinity in the trinity city church now, There were about 400 households that could give and i worked out what sue and i were giving worked out if 70 households gave what sue and i were giving we would easily meet budget, right? Now, there was, first thing I thought, right? I felt a bit grumpy, you know? Why aren't other people doing their bit? And the second thing I thought was, I'm, I'm actually pretty generous, really, you know? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Now, at that moment, I thought, I think my left hand has been talking to my right hand, right? I think there's a, there's a level that's been going through in my brain in a self congratulatory sort of way, you know, as that's happening. It is pretty difficult to keep giving secret from yourself, do you understand it? But it's pushing us to think about what's going on. Well, when it comes to pray, prayer, verse six: Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Now, literally, this is going to your storage cupboard, you know, maybe your pantry or your wardrobe. That's the sort of idea that's on view and pray. But again, tricky to keep this a secret, I reckon. Like I was thinking, tomorrow morning I decide to put this into practice. Okay uh hop into the wardrobe to have my prayer time you know with my little torch okay and uh, I'm going at it right and then Sue and I normally have breakfast together right so at some point Sue is going to you know, come looking for me Paul my wonderful husband you know which is the way we talk to each other. my wonderful husband where are you darling okay and I say I'm in the wardrobe dear <laughs> right? right and she pause what are you doing in the wardrobe darling you know, and I say, I'm praying in secret. Right? <laughs> At this point, the cat's out of the bag. I'm thinking. You know, like, so how how does this work? Secrecy, I don't think, is all that straightforward. And you can be legalistic about anything. Right? Prayer in secret. Right? Afterwards, we'll take Amanda out and we will rebuke her. Right? Because she prayed publicly, didn't she? She led us through the Lord's prayer. Naughty Amanda. We don't think public prayer is wrong, do we? we? Like we think it's appropriate for Christians to gather and pray. We immediately breach this instruction. The point I'm making is that the the issue is not legalistically guarding the secrecy because you can get yourself in all sorts of knots around that one. It is being very conscious to live and act to serve and please your heavenly father not to do it for the sake of others and to guard yourself in that sort of process to delight your Heavenly Father. What I want to do is um, to make a comment on something and then to go to what I think is the big puzzle in this passage for me as I've been reflecting on it. I want to make a comment on uh, the section about rewards or the comments that Jesus makes about that. If you want the approval of others, Jesus says, once you've got it, that's it you've received your reward in full. But notice if you aim to honor God, there is a reward that is promised, an appropriate reward. Verse 4, your Father in heaven who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 6, your Father in heaven who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Or verse 18, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you and i take it we are to long for the reward of our heavenly father that is a good thing and yet on the other hand i'm feeling this is a bit mercenary i feel a bit sort of should i really be doing these things so that i'll receive a reward that's made me puzzle a bit about the nature of the reward that jesus is speaking of here what is the reward number of times through the Sermon on the Mount, it talks about the reward we get when we, we, in heaven when we get there, although I think there's a present sense of the reward here, and that comes out in chapter 6, verse 1. Uh, reward in this world too. But what is the reward when it comes down to it? Sometimes I've heard people talking as if it's um, these various analogies when it uh, comes to reward, and it sounds a bit like trophy cabinets in heaven or you know front seats as opposed to the guys who are stuck up the back in the lousy seats or what sort of reward are we talking about well sometimes it's the applause of god when you get there and the the uh, those in heaven already you know a bit of like the person who comes in first in the marathon you know and they arrive in the stadium and they do a lap of honor and the whole the whole stadium just roars with approval for this person who's gone a crazy 42 kilometers in the fastest time of anyone on the planet you know and everyone's going what a stupid man but well done you know yeah uh, you know, that sort of so, is it like that when we get to heaven you know that that sense of you you enter into the heavenly stadium right and you're doing your lap of honor and you say yelling to the crowd you know i gave in secret i prayed in secret you know I fasted and no one knew. But you all know, you know. And at that point, the crowd roars back. Well done, O doer of secret righteousness. I'm thinking that's not going to happen. I'm thinking that's not what Jesus has in view at this point. What's the reward uh, for godly living? What is it? isn't it the joy of having the approval of your heavenly father in the end isn't the reward god himself and your relationship with him and him actually saying well done child of mine that's the reward isn't it the relationship you have with god sufficient in and of itself no reward Greater than God. What I want to do is is finish by talking about what I think in some ways is the puzzle of this section in chapter 6. What you'll notice is that I've not talked about verses 9 to 15. And it's puzzling, these sections, you know, the Lord's Prayer and what's in there, because it almost seems like a a digression from the main point that's being made. After all, isn't this, these verses, These own verses, they're all talking about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, hypocrisy, hypocrisy. And you get to the example of hypocrisy on prayer, and it almost seems like we then get this digression on, oh, well, I'm talking about prayer. I'll talk about really good prayer, you know, over here. And then we get back to hypocrisy and we keep going. You know, it feels a bit like a, a thought bubble. And let me say it's a really helpful thought bubble. Uh, it's jesus thought bubble so you know it's good Uh, and there are correctives here so he talks about the danger of superstitious praying like the pagans do and i think this is a danger for christians today i keep coming across christians who think that um, prayer is like having a formula where x plus y equals z right Uh, if you want answers to prayer then x you need to get a lot of christians together plus y get them praying for a long time and that will equal Z, answers to prayer, right? You've just got to get the, the mechanics of it right. More of us praying together all night, surely God will answer our prayers, okay? Can I say that's pagan superstition? It's just not biblical. It's not Christian, to be quite honest. I'm not, I'm not trying to discourage you from praying, or praying for long periods of time, or doing it with crowds of people. I'm just saying that God is not like some thick block of wood statue that you need to somehow impress by your numbers or your length of time going without sleep. He does not operate that way. Jesus gives this as a corrective. He's not a distant deity. Prayer is simple and straightforward. But this framework of prayer, I actually think ties into the issue of hypocrisy really closely. Firstly, I think it's an antidote to hypocrisy And then I think it operates as a test for hypocrisy. Antidote and a test. Let me show you why why I think it's the case. We've already seen in this section uh, the call to make God the focus and the motive for our righteousness. And doesn't this prayer do that? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Life is all about the Great One who rules heaven and earth we never escape his sovereign rule or his loving, merciful care and that his name be glorified on earth, just like it is in heaven. It's a very God-centered you know, way of thinking about the universe rather than me-centered. Great antidote for hypocrisy. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, we want God to exercise his rule in our world. It's not all about us doing our thing. It's about God doing his thing. And our dependence upon God is stressed. Give us today our daily bread. We operate so independently and so self-focused, but we, God is the one who sustains you from moment to moment. Do you understand that if God takes his hand off your life, even for a moment, then that's it? You know, your heart beats in regular rhythm, right? And God takes his hand off your life and that is it. We are totally dependent upon the Heavenly Father. It's an antidote, this prayer, for hypocrisy. But I also think it's a test for hypocrisy. In verses 12 to 14, you have this e- extended instruction on forgiveness. Why do you have teaching on forgiveness in a section of the Bible talking about hypocrisy? Why is this here? Remember, the question is, are you doing your righteousness from the heart? Are you the genuine article or are you a hypocrite? Okay, if that's the case, let's run a diagnostic test just to see if you do understand what's going on here. How are you going forgiving others? How are you doing on that front? And as I ask that question I'm not meaning it to be rhetorical you might be thinking actually pretty good you know I think I'm pretty good at, at figuring out. so let me just push it a bit harder come back with me to the end of Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 to 44 and listen to the way Jesus punches home this instruction he says you've heard it said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, I want to tell you, I am naturally pretty good at loving my friends and my family, and I'm naturally pretty good at forgiving my friends and my family. I think I score pretty, pretty good points. You know, not that I'm allowed to tell you that, but uh, you know, you understand what I'm saying. I think I do okay on this front. But I reckon it's a totally divine thing to be able to pray for those or forgive those who are your enemies. Who are your enemies. And yet I want to suggest to you that this is essential if you count yourself a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because after all, isn't the God the one who has forgiven his enemies? you, and me so wouldn't it be extraordinary hypocrisy if having been forgiven by God as his enemies we withheld forgiveness from our enemies don't you think you understand why it's a diagnostic test for hypocrisy because at that point we are being controlled by the behaviours of others the way they've treated us, rather than the way our Heavenly Father has treated us, which is meant to control the way in which we live. So I want to finish by asking you, or or just pressing this forward a bit further, who would you regard as your enemy? And I want you to, this may not be healthy, but but understand, I want you to just try and visualise or think through, who you would put in that sort of category? Who do you find it hard to love? Who's wronged you? Who, when you think of them or visualize their face, who do you find that bitterness and resentment and anger just well up in your heart and burn in your gut? Who is that person? Who do you find it hard to forgive? What I'm going to do is, is just pause for a moment so that you can actually pray to God and ask him to help you not be a hypocrite. That is, to ask him to help you to forgive those who are your enemies forgive those who have not treated you the way in which would have lied do you understand because that is the test really for whether you understand what jesus is saying here let me just pause take a minute uh, think it through and then i'll i'll let us in prayer okay let's pray